Welcome to the new podcast, Leading by History, where we seek to take our listeners on a journey through history and educational leadership, changing our world and society one story at a time. All right, so here at VCU, and uh, we're in the African American Studies Department with Dr. Adam Ewing. I just came over here today to really uh, just have a conversation. Wanted to talk about Garvey. We we met each other a couple weeks ago at racial conflict and nation discussion. I right. think over at U of R. Right. So we were talking for a little bit, sharing information. I said, you know what? I think this could be a good conversation to put up for a show. I've never done just a conversational show. So we're just sitting in the office right now and I'll probably bump the volume up a little bit as as we edit, but I wanted to make sure that we didn't waste an opportunity to get some of this on tape. So we're going to talk about Garvey a little bit, which is why I came over, but you know, we started off by by talking about Africana scholarship, black scholarship, etc., but we can go all around Solomon's Barnyard because we're just having a conversation, but I know we wanted to talk specifically about Garvey. So I'm just going to forget this is here. All right, let's do it. So when I look at Garvey, uh, Marcus Garvey, Marcus Mosiah Garvey, right? Mm -hmm. I see that a lot of black nationalist religious organizations attempt to tie him into their movement. So, you know, the Moore Science Temple of America in their Holy Quran Circle 7 mm -hmm. calls him the John the Baptist who came before the noble prophet Dru Ali. Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned earlier, the Rastafari organization um, looked to Garvey as a type of prophet of this message of um, Africa for the Africans, uh, calling people from the diaspora to come back and, and support the land of Africa and to identify with Africa. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you you also see that some of the other black nationalists, you have your uh, Dr. Yosef Benyakinens and others mm -hmm. who still tie back to the black nationalism. Um, El-Hajj Malik El-Shabazz, Malcolm X mm -hmm. ties back to uh, Garvey's brand mm -hmm. of, of black nationalism, mm -hmm. um, which I don't think was termed that during the time that Garvey was around. Um, right. I, I, you know, people weren't really talking in terms of black nationalism, even though he was talking about blackness and talking about a nationalist view. But it, it seemed talking like about race first. Right. Right. Yeah. And centering centering liberation through the unity of, of the race. Correct. So. But yeah, different different terms for the same thing. Right. So it seems like around the 60s is when you saw the black nationalism piece really come to fruition. Um, and it was El Haj Malik El Shabazz that, you know, I growing up was, that's the first voice that I heard screaming black nationalism in, yeah. in that way. Tell me about that. What was, what was your reaction to, to that voice? Well, you know, of course I'm years after he's all, you know, he, he was already yeah. assassinated, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think the first entry into any kind of knowledge concerning blackness always came, it seemed, through the autobiography of Malcolm X, mm -hmm. right? Um, and either 
that was going to be an influence that came from hip hop music because I grew up in the 80s where hip hop music was conscious and it was black. And so then you stumble upon Malcolm X and then hearing his speeches after he left the Nation of Islam, we started to say that black nationalism means that you control your neighborhoods, you control the economy, um, that you buy black, that you think black, that you do black, that that was the form of black nationalism that, you know, Malcolm X taught my generation. Yeah. I mean, so... I think there's 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 a very powerful and common thread running through all of those all of those things, right? And it, <clears throat> yeah, and it, you know, it 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 emerges out of this what what I think is a a fundamental debate that has emerged out of the struggle, right? Which is on the one hand there are those that have looked at the circumstances of Black people in the United States and globally. They've said, look, we need to find a way to make this global society amenable to black people. We deserve to belong in this society, right? This is the the integrationist strategy in all kinds of varieties, whether it's through, you know, socialist revolution, whether whether it's through civil rights legislation, right? That, That ultimately the path for us to achieve a, um, a, a, a good standard of life or a, a status of equality is by finding a way to gain entry and inclusion into this world that we find ourselves in. Right? And then there's this other thought where black, where black nationalism comes from that says, look, that idea is a trap. Right? This world wasn't made for us. Mm-hmm. This world is not going to give us what we want. It is, in fact, foundationally structured by white supremacy. And it is always going to be that way. And so, so long as we are pleading or, or fighting or struggling for inclusion within that space, which, by the way, is structured by European thought, European assumptions, European culture, European modes of life, as long as we are trying to gain entry into that, we will be enslaved. Right? And so... We need to take a different approach. Our liberation comes from us, and it comes from unity. And it comes from, first of all, as Garvey said, freeing yourself from mental slavery, recognizing that only by the, taking the first step of recognizing that that is not a path to salvation can we start to be free, right? And then it, and then it becomes, you know, as Malcolm was talking about land and talking about mm-hmm our own communities. And, and, and you know, this is, this is where black nationalism moves toward, look, we need to find a way to create a separate center of power, however we do that, whether it's land, whether it's community control, whether it's revolution, whatever it is, right? But we need to find that extra center, right? The, the integrationist vision is we can be included in this European constructed world, and then we can transform it in the process, right? This other vision says, we need to construct an Afrocenter. This needs to be rooted in our culture, in our community, in our power. Mm-hmm. And only once we do that can we then have a conversation mm-hmm. as equals. And until right. then, we're just going to lose. Right. 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 And you see the, the influence of, of Garvey's ideology, even in the early foundation of the Nation of Islam, right? Absolutely. Because the histories you know, 
re recount that you would hear Elijah Muhammad say, up you mighty nation, hmm. right? Yeah. You can accomplish what you will. Garvey said, up ye mighty race, right? Um, and when I asked some of the older members of the Nation of Islam, mm. you know, about that, and mm. I said, you know, that came from Garvey. They said, yeah, but Elijah Muhammad wasn't looking at us as a race because he said that a race is something with a beginning and an end, mm. right? And he said that the, the mm. nation of Islam is a nation and mm. that all black people by nature are born into this nation and therefore... He would say, up ye mighty nation, mm. you can accomplish what you will. Mm. But still founded upon the shoulders of, of Garvey's ideal, yeah. right? Um, that we were globally a people, yeah. right? And yeah. that only together through that unity um, could a new world be realized. Yeah. Yeah, right. And and I would I would go further and say, you know, Garvey doesn't start this either, right? This this right, right. this comes back this this goes back to the birth of the, the Atlantic slave trade mm -hmm. and 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 the resistance of of black communities from the very beginning in West Africa and Central Africa, in the Americas, this this refusal to accept this 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 world that these you know colonial powers were building in which they would be slotted into a global europe you know a global european expansion and they would have to find a way as enslaved people or or later as as second class citizens find a way to live within that space right from the very beginning you have maroon communities developing right slave resistance people throwing themselves off ships right people but also finding in common African cultures and religions, ways of creating what, what you know, one Pan-Africanist, uh, uh, Misery Mugo, the Kenyan Pan-Africanist, she calls liberated zones, right? Zones that refuse to accept this sort of, you know, hegemonic logic of, of European power and created space for the preservation of, of African culture and African ways of living in the world. And and ways that, that fundamentally rejected that idea that the world is being becoming like this 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 European mm -hmm. space, mm -hmm. and those and those traditions you can see throughout this this history, five hundred years of this history, and so and the, the thing that I the thing that I started to say about Garvey was that you know Garvey came along and provided this incredible organizational platform for that idea, and he articulated that idea in ways that really moved people. Right. People, Garvey's talked about, about um, you know, joining the UNAA as being like a conversion experience, right? That they would they would they would come and see Garvey talk, and by the end, and, and they'd they'd leave after right. and be transformed, right? Re reborn is this you know this very religious language or thing that that a lot of this very religious experience that a lot of Garvey's experienced. I, I think that the reason why that was the case was precisely because Garvey was doing something that was very old and tapping into something that was very deep mm. and something that was this, this seed, right? Uh, Amilcar Cabral, the, the, um, the African revolutionary, right, right? Right. talked about culture being the seed of protest, seed of revolution, right? He said, our liberation is going to derive from the way in which in our communities we have preserved the spirit of Africa, 
And we need to honor that and listen to that and use that as the resource to affect our liberation. And I think that's what Garvey tapped into as well. And Garvey gave a voice to that. And Garvey told people, you don't have to be ashamed of that. In fact, that is the thing that you need to hold on to and honor. Right? Garvey, Garvey's talking about black is beautiful right before black is beautiful becomes a thing. Correct. We're going to continue this conversation. We'll be uh, back after these messages. talk about <clears throat> tapping into those still waters right of of religion and spirituality oh yeah very much you so. you never can separate all of the movements that stem from what garvey created right uh are inherently religious and spiritual except for yeah. organizations like the aaprp all african people's revolutionary party which accepts a form early on of a marxist view yeah. which they develop later into scientific socialism or Nkrumahism through Kwame Ture. Mm -hmm. But um, other than that, most of the, the offspring of Garvey's uh, movements have remained mm. spiritual at their base. Mm. And I think that um, this is why you see uh, the groups like the Nation of Islam or the Moore Science Temple of America, etc., uh, building their ideas around this syncretism of uh, political religious um, yeah. thinking, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I, I think I mean, and and this is this is also what I found in Africa, by the way. You know, a lot of a lot of the ways in which Garveyism was really really became felt in on the continent was through independent churches, mm -hmm. prof, prophetic movements. Mm -hmm. Um, in the same way that 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 it was it was true in the United States and and in the Caribbean, right? Um, there's 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 definitely a powerful it, it's a powerful thread. I mean, I I think I'd I'd go even farther and say that 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 those things were essential, but that even more than that, Garveyism was rooted in was rooted in the the, the culture of the people in, in in many different ways. Right, Garvey Garveyism, Gar, you know, Gar, Garvey was. Garvey was, was mocked and derided by the intellectuals of the day, right? Mm -hmm. um, du Bois couldn't stand him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, A. Philip Randolph and Chandler Owen and, and Cyril Briggs and all these guys that sort of came, they, 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 they were sort of in this, this Harlem milieu and they, were, and, and they were like, why is this guy, why is this guy getting so many followers? Right. And, you know, the Communist Party was like this too, right? The Communist Party like recruited Cyril Briggs to try to, you know, bring, you know, bring, bring all these black people that are flocking to this moron over to us, basically, was their, was their philosophy, like, I, I, they, like, they just couldn't get it. And, you know, the, the, the Moscow archives have actually opened up and scholars have gone into them. And they've noticed the same thing everywhere, like the, the communist part that, you know, the common, the communist international was obsessed with this all over the world, right? All these people were flocking to Garveyism and not flocking to the communist party. And they're like, why are, why are they following this guy? Right. We, we, we have to figure out a way to get to get these people. 
Um, and I think that, but I think that this is where that religious base is of the utmost importance it's because crucial. This, the, the, those still waters are the ones that run the deepest. And so Garvey continued to push a black Christ figure, yeah. a black God figure. Yeah. And to show that when you associate your creator, your, your deity yeah. with the, the likeness of other nations, yeah. you're doomed. Because it means that your God then doesn't love you or yeah. like you, but yeah. favored another group of people to make in his own image. Yeah. And, and Garvey went to the extent of saying that we then had to, regardless of maybe even the reality, reshape God yeah. in the image of black people. Yeah. Um, as opposed yeah. to waiting for the truth to be uncovered of God's That's right. <laughs> ethnic you know, origin, (laughs) which, you know, but sometimes we we have to take it upon ourselves. And he called many times upon black Jesus, black Christ, absolutely, um, in his whirlwind speech, which was one of the most powerful that I've heard of Garvey. You can hear the women fainting and falling out. It was like listening to a sweet daddy grace, uh, a sermon, you know, where there's this, uh, this climaxing, you know, groan, moan, and sh- shrill of the hmm. of the audience, as if they are listening to the voice, really, of a prophet. So, yeah, I I, I think that the uh, the religious aspect is what empowered the movement. I I would dare say hmm. that if you were to extract all reference to deity from the writings of Garvey and from the speeches of Garvey Mm -hmm. that you would not have any way seen the kind of power and the magnetism to his movement that you had because most of the people that spread Garveyism throughout the South were the preachers, right? And so we can find a root in what Garvey was doing even in David Walker's appeal where he merges this freedom liberation ideology into a theology that's right and and actually calls upon white america to question their level of morality based upon biblical truths that's right. and i think this is the long tradition of black people you know for since coming to america that's right well this it, is this is a tradition of of the slave rebellion right, right. That, almost the, the, the great the great rebellions are led by prophets exactly exactly and there's and there's no way to undo that and that's why you see all of the movements that call for liberation and freedom right like think about it think about all of your black religious movements yeah. you know I, I spent a lot of time in um, in undergrad and grad school focusing on turn of the century uh, turn of the 20th century, African-American religious cults Mm. and, um, you know, taking that time to, to look at, um, books like black, um, gods of the metropolis or things of that nature. Right. Mm -hmm. In researching those, those turn of the 20th century cults, um, they all seem to call for liberation and freedom for black people, even if they were religious completely in nature. Whether it was Prophet Cherry in Philadelphia, yeah. who starts the Church of God Black Jews, yeah. 
or what's called Church of God, uh, pillar and ground of truth, mm-hmm. right? He gives people identity cards, nationality cards. And this is yeah. right before and even during the same time that Noble Drew Ali starts to give out nationality cards to his followers. And I, and I own one of those nationality cards from really? Cherry, uh, having been able to, to talk with mm-hmm. some of his family members wow. um, and having visited that, that old church that's right there in North Philadelphia. Wow. Um, wow. You know, there was always this sense of your liberation is tied to an acknowledgement of your cultural background. And even though Cherry and, and, and Ali would, would argue with each other on whether black people were descendants of the ancient Moabites or whether they were descendants of the ancient Israelites or whatever the case may be, yeah. there always was a search for black identity yeah. that was rooted in spirituality. And yeah. I think Garvey, he provided the, the garden and the field and the compost Right. For that type of growth uh, throughout the, the, the nation. I don't think there are too many black organizations that don't at some point have to extend back and quote Garvey mm. and look at the writings of Garvey and discuss that. Uh, I don't think there's too many organizations that we can talk about. So you so you see you see that the sort of the that spiritual message that Garvey's giving is being at the very, the very core of the power of his movement. I believe so. I think if you take black Jesus, the black Christ, right? The black Madonna. Yeah. If you take that away from Garvey's teachings, if you go back and edit his speeches and just eliminate <clears throat> all of those references, the shrills die. Have you read Black Messiah? Speaking of black Madonna. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. Haven't read it cover should, to cover. You should but, check that out. But yes, familiar. Man. And he was one who used to work with closely with uh, El Haj Malik Shabazz, Malcolm right. X, and was a part of this tradition of of um, of black preachers pushing black nationalism, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, he he was he was trying, you know, in the same way that James Cone was. He was he was he was you know he was actually responding in many ways to the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, what? look, we're, we're getting killed here. Like, look at what <laughs> look at what the Nation of Islam is doing. We can, you know, there are far more Christians, black Christians in this country than, than Muslims. We can do the same thing with the church if we actually understand the origins of Christianity. Correct. And the origins of, of you know, the, the, you know the, the black nation Israel, as he called right. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so he, he, he talks about Christianity as, a, as an African religion that was yes. corrupted and stolen by, by, through the expansion of the faith. Yes. By, um, Ro- the Romans, right, uh, take it into, into Europe and then... It yeah. expands throughout Europe, but it it has its earliest roots in Ethiopia. Well, all over. I mean, it's it's just everyone, like all mm-hmm. all in that area in in Egypt and mm-hmm. in you know Ethiopians. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the, the original Jewish people are sort of coming and intermarrying, right. and it's just every yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's some heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah, no. It's it's his his writing. His writing is really is really sharp. I mean, and and he's making the same argument that. That Garvey is making, and 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 that Malcolm X is making, and and that and that you know that that, that you're making, which is which is that um, again, the, you know, I I th- I think what I think with that religious the religious the, the idea of the Black Christ or or the 
is, or the idea of the black nation is, is a revolutionary idea mm-hmm. in, in the context of the world that has been built to deny those things. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think like the sort of consistent insight, and, and this has been expressed, as you say, through, through, through religious movements. Right. right. But the crucial insight is that, is that there needs to be a way to, to reject that that idea, that idea that there is no black nation, that right. idea that there is no black Christ, right. there is no blackness really that matters, right. except for what you know we make you, right, and right. and and but but you know but then but and and so you know for Garvey it's it's the, it's the black Jesus but it's also but it's also the prophecy right princes shall come out of Egypt right, and and in that sense the black star line is viewed as as a is viewed in prophetic terms. Mm. Um, as, as, as evidence of the coming, you know, the coming of this prophecy. I, I, think, I think also, I, I think that, that that prophetic power is, you know, in, in, order to actually, in, in order to actually lead a struggle in the way that Garvey did or in the way that any sort of revolutionary movement did, that is, that is stepping out into a very dangerous place mm. where you're going to face repression and reprisal and, and, and all of the forces that can be brought against you as they were brought against Garvey's organization. You know, you have you have to have you have to get to a place where you have you have conviction and faith that you are going to be able to transform the world, which is a very tall task. And and you need I mean, that that very act that, you know, revolutionary politics requires faith, whether you think about it. That's important in religious terms or not. But 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 in order to actually mobilize people, I mean, the thing the thing that is at the, the root of many communities is religion and faith. And so that become, you know, that that's historically been a really effective, that, that that's become the tool through which people come to believe that there is this opportunity. Because ultimately, you know, Garvey's nothing without Garveyites, right? The prophet's nothing unless the prophet can stir the, the, the people to action. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Leading by History podcast. And we look forward to getting back together with you again on our next show. Until then, peace.